Thank you, worship team. When, um, when I stand here on a Sunday morning, I, I sometimes wonder if people, thank you, brother, thank you very much, I sometimes wonder if people think I know something that, that I don't know. And sometimes when I, I say things, I think sometimes people say, well, I wonder who told him that. Let me assure you this morning, I did not prepare this sermon with any particular person in mind. This is something I feel like God, a direction he pointed me in. And I, I've said this many, many years ago. I said, um, if something I say hit you, and it pertained to you, then okay. If it didn't, then just duck. It was maybe for the guy behind you. Somebody once said, if you got a pack of dogs and you throw a rock into the pack of dogs, the one that gets hit is the one that yelps the loudest. And we'll just leave that at that. <laughs> Today I want to look together at a man named Demas. We don't hear a lot about Demas. And while his name appears only three times in the New Testament, the entire New Testament, Demas is mentioned three times. Three short verses do mention his name. And they reveal a man who eventually wandered far away from the Lord that he had once loved and served. It's possible that as we get to know Demas a little bit better today, there are some folks who will hear this sermon who might see themselves, and that's a good thing, because without a doubt, there are folks today who have wandered or who are wandering away from that place of closeness and intimacy with God where they once were. As we look at the life of Demas, I want us to see three simple lessons that could help us from ending up like Demas. Someone might say, well, pastor, why do we need this? Here's why. The, there's an old hymn titled, Come Thou Fount, old hymn. And the truth is, if we are completely honest, we would have to acknowledge the truth that's found in one line of that song that says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And if we allow them to, the lessons we can learn from Demas will help us to prevent uh, will help to prevent us from following in his footsteps. Let me say this: whether it is running, literally running, which is something I don't do. Some of y'all do, and I, I am jealous. Uh, whether it's running or race cars or bicycling or any other type of competition, there are untold number of races where someone started out well even to the point where it looked like they were guaranteed to win. But at some point, distraction, arrogance, disqualification, or a number of other reasons, not only did they not win, 
In some cases, they didn't even finish the race. So let's look at these three points this morning. Point number one is a lesson about starting. Philippians 23 and 24 says this, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. When we first meet Demas here, we see that he is considered a fellow worker by the Apostle Paul, a phrase that, that means a companion in the work of the Lord. In that verse, in those two verses, we find Philemon, in that verse in Philemon, we find Demas mentioned along with Epaphras, Luke, Mark, and Aristarchus. That's pretty good company since all of these men were well-known in the early church. And look at this. Mark wrote a gospel. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Aristarchus served alongside Paul in prison. And Epaphras is mentioned by name two times by the apostle Paul. So to be named among that group is a pretty big deal. All of these men were companions of the great apostle Paul. From that information, it would appear that Demas was well-known, well-respected, well-liked during this portion of his life and his work. But as close as Demas was to Paul, and as much as he grew in the Lord, at some point, we see that it did not last. Because in 2 Timothy 4.10, we read these words, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. It would appear that Demas believed he was truly saved. Maybe he was. In fact, from all outward appearances, he was, he was doing well. Things were going along well. But eventually he burned out and then gradually disappeared as a follower of Christ. His life illustrates a principle that, that many would rather not have to live by. But it's true. How you finish is just import, as important as how you begin. How you finish is just as important as how you begin. How many times have we seen this truth played out in the work in the, at work in the church? A person will come to the altar, they'll, they'll pray a prayer, they'll repent, maybe get baptized, stand up and tell the church that they've gotten saved, and they take off like they're on a sprint. But then a few months later, maybe a few years later, they're nowhere to be found. What happened? They forgot that how you finish is just as important as how you began. Jesus talked about this kind of person in the parable of the sower. In Luke 8, 13, he said, Those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. Jesus is talking about that person that hears the word, gets all excited about it, is joyful over it, and starts out to serve the Lord. But when trials and temptations and difficulties and troubles come, they fall away. They're kind of like the Christian version of a cheap bottle rocket. Lots of sizzle, a little bit of flash, a little bit of noise, and then they're gone. Jesus had some of these kind of people among his own disciples, at least one. I'm sure all the disciples thought Judas was a saved man. They trusted him, obviously. They left him with the money. So obviously they felt like he was trustworthy. But Jesus knew something about Judas that the rest of them didn't. Here's what Jesus said about him. 
in John 6, 70 and 71. Then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the 12? Yet one of you is a devil. And then he explained, the, the writer explains, he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though he was one of the 12, was later to betray him. So what can we learn from this part of, of the life of Demas? Here are a couple truths you can take home with you. Be absolutely sure you came to Jesus the right way in the beginning. In other words, make sure you're saved. Make sure that you are genuinely and truly saved. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Let's see what the Bible says. In the 16th chapter of Acts, Paul and Silas were in prison. Instead of whining and moping about being in prison, they began to sing. And suddenly there was an earthquake that shook the prison. It literally shook the, the shackles off of their hands. It opened the doors. And the jailer was terrified because he knew if the prisoners got loose, he would be killed for not doing what he was supposed to be doing. In Acts 16.30, he asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul answered this, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Romans 10.9 Paul also wrote this. He said, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then in verse 13, he went on to say, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stood and preached his first sermon. When he finished, we read, read that, that people were pricked in their heart. In other words, they were convicted of the sin they had committed. And they asked the same question that uh, the jailer asked Paul. He said, they said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter answered them in Acts 2.38. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want us to grasp this morning. You can't meet Jesus just by praying some prayer. You can't meet Jesus just by joining a church. You can't meet Jesus just by being baptized. You don't come to him by doing good things or becoming a better person. The Bible is clear. Jesus said in John 3, 3, Verily I say unto you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Be sure that you have experienced this new birth. Be sure that you have been born again. Not my words. This is what Jesus said. I'm just repeating what Jesus said. The next thing I want us to make sure we understand is that the Christian race is a marathon. It's not a sprint. God did not save us for a life of ease so that we could get saved and then float off to heaven after a few days. Maybe that would be nice, but it'd be hard to fulfill the Great Commission if we did that. You get saved, you get baptized, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, and a couple days later, boom, you just like float off. Goodbye, world, goodbye. No, the truth is there's going to be some trials and troubles along the way. We need to settle in for the long haul. We need to run this race with patient endurance. Hebrews 12.1 tells us to run with perseverance, indicating that this is not a sprint but a marathon. And because this is a marathon, we need to take time to encourage others who are in their own race around us at any given time. And I say that because, without a doubt, some people around us today who are struggling, 
maybe even here or not here today. How do I know that? Well, there's a lot of reasons I say that. But one that I have seen over and over would be that their church attendance isn't what it should be. Not that church attendance will save us. It will not. But after years of observing people in church, I can tell you this. There's a good chance that if folks don't come to church to worship, then they're probably not praying or studying their Bible like they should at home on their own. And if that's true, and many, maybe even most times it is, then they're probably having a difficult time making it in their race. And because of that, those who are running, those of us who are running the race with them need to take the time to be an encouragement to them. There's other folks who are young in the Lord and they need an encouraging word. Listen to Hebrews 3.13. says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Remember that even if you did start off right, you can always fall along the way. Don't allow pride, self-righteousness, or blindness to your faults cause you to stumble and fall. 1 Corinthians 12 warns us, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Arrogance, cockiness. Bless God, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, and I, I got the Holy Ghost 7,700 years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. But I've seen people live for the Lord 50, 60 years, and one day just wake up. Maybe not, they didn't just one day wake up. But at some point, they've drifted away from God and have no idea how they got there. Don't allow self-righteousness and pride, blindness to your own faults, to cause you to stumble and fall. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus told his disciples, his very closest followers, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And see, it could happen to any of us. And it might already be happening in the lives of some folks today. So number one, a lesson about starting. Second, a lesson about slipping. When we first met Demas, he was serving alongside Paul, along with some, some big-name people. He was commended for his service. In Colossians 4, Paul, again, lists several of his fellow workers in ministry, and each one seems to have a little brief description that goes along with their name. But when he gets to Demas, even though we see he's still with Paul, there's something seems to be wrong. There are no glowing words of commendation. The Bible simply says, and Demas. It talks about all these other people, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas, send greetings. 
It seems that even though Demas was still technically reporting for duty, his heart wasn't in it like it used to be. This change of heart would soon show up in his life, and the day would come when Demas would walk away from the work of the Lord completely. And again, I'm sure this was a slow process in the life of Demas. I do not believe that he or anyone else ever woke up one morning and said, I think I'll just turn away from God today. I think it was far more subtle. Perhaps Demas allowed himself a little weak leeway here and then there before he realized that he was under the control of his passions and not under the control of the Holy Spirit. And unless there is repentance, it will lead to death. And it's the same for Demas or for us. It's not physical death, but a death of a more subtle kind, the death of our conscience, death of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, death of usefulness in the kingdom of God. Sin does not become full-blown in an instant. It's something that grows until it consumes our very hearts. When we start down that pathway of playing around with sin and temptation, you will find that it is a very slippery slope with a very hard stop at the bottom. Be careful. We who call ourselves believers need to learn the lessons that we were given throughout the pages of the Bible. David fell into sin when he began to entertain temptation in his life. Samson fell for much of the same reason. And the list goes on and on. We need to keep our relationship with Jesus in good order. We need to stay full of the Holy Spirit. I believe it's possible that Demas became guilty of trying to do the work of the Lord in the power of the flesh. Maybe he was around such great people and he saw such greatness that he got to where he could do it on his own. He knew to say all the right things. He knew all the right responses. But inside there was just nothing there. But whatever happened in his life, he began a slow, steady turn away from the Lord. And I plead with you today, don't let that happen in your life. Acts 29 tells us about a young man named Eutychus who fell asleep while listening to Paul preach. Some of y'all are doing the same today. Be careful. The Bible says that he fell out of a third floor window and died. Aren't you glad we're on the first floor? <laughs> this is a serious story. He fell asleep listening to Paul preach, and he fell out of the window and died. Paul went down to him, and by the power of God, he was raised, Eutychus was raised back to life. And stay with me, I promise I'm going somewhere here. I love this quote by my friend, Dr. Alan Carr. And I'm going to quote him. Here's what he said. I want to let you in on a little-known theological truth. Here it is. Do you know why Eutychus fell out of the window? You'd better get your pen and paper for this one. You don't want to miss this. I went through 12 years of Bible college to learn this truth. And here it is. There was more of Eutychus hanging out than there was hanging in. It was a gradual process, but it cost Eutychus his life. End of quote. Don't let the same thing happen to you. 
You see, our wandering from God, our version of more of us hanging out than there is hanging in, begins very subtly. You miss Wednesday night, eh, eh, it's just Bible study. And then a Sunday here and a Sunday there turns into, eh, I'm, most, I'm there most of the time. And you know what? If pastor says something about it, I'll leave completely. I just won't go back there. And then before you know it, you are not only not at church, you're not even interested in being at church. Because in the time that you've been away, you've found other things to take its place. And in the process, those things have become more important. You miss a day or two praying or studying your Bible. And before you know it, your mind isn't on the Lord. It's on the things of the world. You start paying too much attention to that coworker at work. And then before you know it, you're in trouble. You see, the devil never lays all of his cards on the table. He comes very slyly by enticing the heart and the mind. And before you realize it, you are in trouble. Ask David. Ask Samson. In fact, you could probably ask some people in this room today, and they would say, he's right, you know. So there's a lesson about starting, there's a lesson about slipping, and there's a lesson about stopping. If I want to leave here and travel to Orlando, I would go out to I-4 and I would drive east. Once I'm on I-4, it will take me all the way to Orlando, and eventually if I keep going, it will take me all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. But here's what I want you to see. I-4 will not take me to Miami. I-4 will not take me to Atlanta. There are roads to get to both of those places, but I-4 is not it. And here's what I want us to see today. The road we take will always determine where we end up. If you want to go to heaven, then get on and stay on and keep traveling on the road that goes there. There are lots of other roads lots of other paths, but there is only one that will get you to heaven. You say, well, pastor, I'm not sure about that. Okay. Let me tell you that the truth found in that statement is illustrated in the life of Demas. Because we see that after traveling on the right path for some time, he decided to take a different path. In 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul writes, Demas, because he lost, loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. The word deserted means to utterly abandon and leave someone helpless in a, desi- a dire situation. Demas deserted Paul at a very difficult time, and he left Paul in a very desperate situation. All the reasons for the departure of Demas remains a mystery. There's nothing in the Bible that says why he left. Perhaps Demas fled partially because of the threat of imprisonment or or persecution or death. There was a lot of that going on. But one reason is very clear. Paul said that he loved this present world, meaning that he loved the world and its pleasures more than he loved Jesus. 
It appears that Demas was trying to do the impossible. He was attempting to do the work of Christ in the power of the flesh. But evidently the temptation and pull of the world proved greater than his commitment to the Lord. And Demas eventually fell away. John MacArthur said it like this. He said, Demas was a fair-weather disciple who had never considered the cost of genuine commitment to Christ. He may have been caught up emotionally with the idea of a noble cause, which he did his part to serve when the demands were not great. But when the cause became costly, he was nowhere to be found. When the cause became costly, he was nowhere to be found. In the end, the weakness or the fearfulness of Demas outweighed his commitment to Christ, which for the believer has to be total and uncompromising. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus again said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up his cross and follow me. And no doubt, whatever happened in the life of Demas started in a very subtle manner. Maybe he allowed his heart to grow colder and colder until his love for the world totally eclipsed, eclipsed his love for God. Whatever happened, Demas chose the wrong path. He chose the wrong road. Somewhere along the way, and he ended up in a place that he never intended to be. Far too many folks have started on the right path following Christ, but at some point their attention was diverted to things of lesser importance. You say, why do you say lesser important? Because anything less than following Christ is lesser importance. One pursuit leads to another, and they strayed from their original purpose, often wondering once they got there, how did I get here? Apparently, this is what happened to Demas. We can't fool ourselves. God created us to love him. But we cannot truly love God if we're in love with the world. John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Again, I'm just reading the Bible. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When we love God as we should, there will be very little room in our hearts for what this world has to offer. But when our love for him fades, then something else will surely take its place. When you and I choose a path throughout this life that leads us gradually away from the Lord and steadily towards the, the world, we should not be surprised when we wake up one day and find ourselves miles away from the Lord. After all, we got on the wrong road, way back down the road. The path you travel on will take you where it goes. There's too many people today in churches today that are on the wrong path. They're on the path that the world has taken. And they have convinced themselves somehow that it will take them to heaven. And it will not. Think about the prodigal son that I preached about a few weeks ago. I believe when he left his father's house, he was looking for a good time. 
Maybe he wanted to just live it up for a little while. But before too many days had passed, he found him in a, himself in a place he could have never imagined. And he learned the tragedy that sin will take you farther than you ever want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. When you and I choose to walk in the broad way of sin and not in the narrow way of righteousness, we should not be surprised when our path leads us far away from the Lord, when our heart cools and moves us deep into sin. When we feed the flesh what it wants, we will find that its appetite grows beyond our control. It will demand more than you can give it. So be careful what you allow into your life. It might be your pleasure today, but it might very well become your master tomorrow. Demas was a man who did not remain on the right path. And as a result, he found himself far away from the Lord in a wayward condition. And we wonder, did Demas ever come back to serving the Lord? I don't know. But if he did, it would have had to have, have made, he would have had to have made a total change in his life and to get back on the right path. You see, if you take off down the wrong road, even though you go, I'm on, if you say I'm on the wrong road, that's great that you recognize you're on the wrong road. But unless you get back on the right road, the destination that you were headed on that wrong road, you'll still end up there. Today, if you're on the wrong road, if you have gotten off the path that would take you to heaven, and you've gotten off on a road way over here somewhere, and you find yourself way away from where you used to be, it's not too late to get back to the path that will take you to heaven. Demas would have had to turn away from the world and renew his relationship with God. Demas is a study in tragedy, and he stands as a warning to people to do as for people to do as Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1:10. Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Today, each of us needs to make our call in our election sure. We need to make up in our mind today, will I serve the Lord or will I walk the path that does not lead toward heaven? On October 25th, 1999, Payne Stewart, a very well-known golfer, professional golfer, died in a plane crash. Investigators of the incident showed that as the plane lost cabin pressure, all six of the people along, uh, um, upon aboard the Learjet died. We're flying along, the cabin pressure drops, everybody dies. But the plane continued to fly on autopilot for hundreds of miles. Actually from Florida to I believe it was South Dakota before it ran out of fuel and crashed. It's a tragedy much like those who work for God but have ne never really had a relationship with him. And here's why I say that. To an observer of that plane, I'm sure everything looked fine from the outside. 
but there was something seriously wrong on the inside. I read one report that said they died not long after they, the plane took off. So for hours and hours and hours, everything looked great on the outside. The plane was flying itself. But eventually it crashed and burned because there was a serious problem on the inside. In much the same way, too many Christians manage to look good to the outside observer. But there is something seriously wrong on the inside. And unless it's corrected, it's just a matter of time till they too crash and burn. That's what happened to Demas. And it can happen to us too if we're not careful. So where does this message find you today? Are you struggling with sin that's trying to slowly wrap itself around your heart? If you can see yourself starting to go down that slippery slope toward, toward a world of, of sin and brokenness and the place where you came from, it's not too late to turn back to the Lord. He will receive you and forgive you. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. John Stephen Akwari was a world-class distance runner in the 1960s and 70s. In 1968, Akwari was competing in the Olympic Marathon in Mexico City. At approximately 19 kilometers into a 42-kilometer race, there was some jostling among some of the runners, and Akwari fell. He fell hard. In fact, when he fell, he wounded his knee, and his shoulder also hit the pavement very, very hard. His leg was bleeding. His knee was apparently dislocated. And the medical staff urged him with, to withdraw. But he continued running after medical treatment. Actually, it wasn't running. Instead, it was a mix of walking and a slow, limping, painful run. He finished dead last among 57 competitors who completed the race. The winner of the marathon finished in 2 hours, 20 minutes, and 26 seconds. Aquari finished well over an hour later in 3 hours, 25 minutes, and 27 seconds. By then, the sun had set. There were only a few thousand people left in the stadium. And when he finally crossed the finish line, a cheer came from the small crowd. When he was interviewed later and asked the question why he ignored the advice to pull out of the race and continue running, this was his answer. My country did not send me 10,000 miles just to start the race. They sent me to finish the race. The Apostle Paul, while under house arrest by the Romans, facing the prospect of a trial, probably death, 
very likely quite lonely. He wrote these words in 2 Timothy 4, 7. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Let me say again, it is not how you start the race that counts. It's that you finish. That's what will matter in the end. Wherever you are today, if you've wandered, gotten distracted, if you've fallen and are hurting badly, whether it's your own fault or others have knocked you around and knocked you down, get up, brush yourself off, and even if it's slow, finish the race. Running or walking, stumbling or limping, it doesn't matter. Just finish the race. Fix your eyes on Jesus and finish the race. If you are saved, be assured that God did not save you just to start. He saved you to finish, so finish the race. The Apostle Paul also wrote these words in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily strangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Run with perseverance the race that is set before you. Get on the right road. Stay on the right road, run the race, and finish the race. Maybe you've realized that you're not even saved today. If that's the case, I can assure you that if you will come to him and repent, he will forgive your sins and receive you into the family of God if you will come to him. Maybe you have someone in your life and you love them dearly, but you can see that they have chosen the wrong path of life. I challenge you today to come before the Lord and lift their names up to him in prayer. Wherever we are in the race that we're running, we're not there yet, folks. We're not there. And you might have taken off And looking back and seeing everybody behind you and thinking, I got this race won. We're not there yet, folks. Don't lose sight of the goal. Don't start to feel like, I got this in the bag. This week as I was studying this, I watched several different ends of races. And one right after the other. And this is in big competition. World-class competition. Runners coming to the finish line. And more, more times than I can even remember, 
the guy has looked back and he saw that he was winning the race and he threw his hands up in victory only to have somebody run past him and he didn't win. We'll have plenty of time to celebrate when we get to heaven. Now we need to run the race. Don't worry about where anybody else is in the race. Don't look back and say, well, they're running pretty slow. I'm going to slow down. No, keep running the race. If somebody's way out in front of you, don't say, well, I'm just going to quit because I'll never catch them. Your job's not to catch them. Your job is to finish the race. They are not your goal. Heaven is our goal. Amen. Finish the race. I urge you today, don't allow anything to distract you. Don't allow anything to come between you and the end of this race. If there's things that are distracting you, things of the world, you go, well, they're not really sin. If they're distracting you from running the race, they can become sin. Stay on track. Would you stand this morning? If you're not sure if you're saved, would you come to this altar today? Someone will meet you here and pray with you. If you need to come and pray and lift someone up who you feel like is just on the wrong track, you know that they're just not where they need to be, and you want to lift them up to the Lord, would you come and pray? If you feel like maybe you've drifted a little ways, you know you've drifted a little ways. Would you come and say, Lord, help me to get back. The things that I've done, forgive me of those things, the distractions that I've, I've paid attention to. Give me strength to look past those. Help me to get back on the right path. And he will forgive you. And you can move forward. As we sing today, would you come?